The TNT Shop has great gift ideas for your furry family member at tntradio.live. Critically analyzing national affairs, this is State of the Nation with Steve Hook and Brian McLean on today's News Talk Radio, TNT. All right, welcome to State of the Nation on TNT Radio uh, with me, Steve Hook, uh, live from the Jersey Shore, and my man, Brian Hesher-McLean. He's doing it live from Central Texas today. Uh, Hesher, hello there. How are you, brother? It's so great to see you. Yeah, very good. Very good out here in Central Texas. Wonderful to be here for another State of the Nation on today's News Talk, Steve. Yeah, we got a big show today, and I'm looking forward to it. I've uh, just got off the horn with... uh, you know, doing two hours, and I just chatted with George uh, George Papadopoulos, and uh, it was interesting, man. So, uh, very strange things going on in the country these days. Uh, we talked about the the lawfare and all of that. Uh, just had a wonderful talk, but I'm looking forward to a big show with you today. We've got some wonderful guests, man, and uh, it's gonna be a, it's gonna be a good one as we uh, stare down the barrel of Thanksgiving, man. Yeah, absolutely, Steve. Uh, we've got Tyler Nixon joining us uh, about 20 minutes into the show. And as you well know, uh, today is the 60th anniversary of the JFK assassination. So Tyler is going to come and talk with us a little bit about that. We're going to speak with uh, John Cox also in this hour. And in the second hour, we'll be joined by Scott McKay and Dustin Stockton. So we've got a great lineup today, Steve. Yeah, Scott is a Scott McKay is a wonderful guy. I met Scott several years ago at a uh, at a CPAC convention in uh, National Harbor, Maryland, where we bonded over some fine uh, Kentucky single ball uh, single malt bourbon, which I consider to be the most patriotic of all the hard spirits. Uh, <laughs> and he's a fan of that, as am I. And he's also a big uh a big fan of patriotism and he's got quite a bio. So uh, we're going to talk to him about his new book. So did you hear about the, uh, the bombing at the rainbow bridge, man? And uh, right there at the upstate New York uh, Canadian border. Yeah. Yeah, I sure did. Uh, I'm, I'm in that. uh, Well, it wasn't a bombing, but it was attempted. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean the car caught fire, right? They've got a smoldering uh, piece of wreckage there. Um, and it's odd to me, Steve, that they're already coming out and saying that the car was packed with explosives while it's still sitting there on fire on the bridge. Like, what What do you mean by that? <laughs> Did you send a, a robot in there to verify this? Like, I'm going to need a little more information. So I'm kind of in the uh, using a little bit of forbearance right now on this story, because obviously tensions are really high when it comes to uh, potential false flag attacks potential organic attacks because of the current state of geopolitics. So uh, this is the point in uh, my efforts when I see a story like this come across where I just start writing things down, note the uh, pertinent facts, the who, what, when, where, why, and then wait for the story to unfold because that's oftentimes where the most interesting things happen is as the story unfolds, you start to see anomalies, you start to see walkbacks. So yeah, that's, that's kind of my mode on this right now. I'm not taking it as a terror attack or a false flag or anything yet, but it's definitely something worth keeping an eye on. 50,000 people crossed that bridge in the month of November alone. Yeah, it's it's it's, it's a huge tourist spot. They call it the Rainbow Bridge because if, if you've ever been to Niagara Falls, there's that perpetual mist. Uh, and uh, as you're driving over that bridge, you often see uh, what looks to be a rainbow. 
now all border crossings in western uh canada and uh and and uh, north uh north of new york all of them are shut down uh i'm with you uh I, i'm as as far as as far as exactly what happened here it do, it do, it doesn't sound good uh because it sounds like what is being reported thus far is the car was making a beeline towards a border patrol station uh, and looked like it was coming there. And then hence the two, whoever the two occupants inside the car are dead at the scene. A border agent was injured. Thankfully it was uh, not a life threatening injury, kind of minor injuries uh, hurt his back scraped up. I don't know what, and the story is just so fresh that we don't know. Was he hit by the car? Did he dive to save himself from the car? But whoever was inside the car uh, is not going to be around to tell their side of the story. Uh, But it doesn't look good, man, because this is exactly, Hesh, what we've been talking about. It's not a matter of if, it's a matter of when. Was this one of these attacks from people that got in through our southern border? Well, it's just too early to know, isn't it? Yeah, and it also illustrates that um, all of the focus that we put on the southern border, albeit very important, it is the largest throughway but as we've discussed many times on the show together steve uh the northern border is a thing also the uh the waterway ports of entry are a thing also the the airplanes are a thing also uh you know and they're they're telling us this week i find this a little bit interesting we'll we'll probably expand on this later because we got to get to ruckus but they're telling us this week hey you don't have any air marshals By the way, air marshals are busy doing other things. So uh, I find that to be somewhat disturbing and perhaps a small piece of the puzzle, Steve. Yeah, you're not kidding. And it is. You're right. It is. uh, Why would you say that, first of all? Oh, by the way, hey, guys, no air marshals this weekend. Busiest travel weekend of the year seems a little bit silly. Uh, Maybe somebody at DHS dropped the ball. Who knows? Hey, did you know there's many ways you can listen to TNT radio? Of course, we would invite you to stream us directly from our website on your desktop, tablet, mobile device, whatever. You can also download the app from the App Store, and we even stream live on YouTube, Rumble, and Odyssey, because we've got you covered on TNT Radio. The latest headlines waiting for you. I follow the news pretty much throughout the day. Today's News Talk Radio, TNT. All right, as Hesher mentioned, it's time to bring ruckus into the mix here. Uh, Well, here we go. This week, the Biden administration's White House has been doing what it does best, gaslighting Americans into thinking that inflation is not as bad as they think it is. But the facts about the rising cost of a traditional Thanksgiving meal prove that Bidenomics, which why they're riding on that is beyond me, uh, but Bidenomics is an epic failure. Here with the story TNT radio news producer, Adam Clark, a.k.a. Ruckus. Ruckus, turkeys cost more, potatoes cost more, gravy cost more, Biden cost everybody more. What's the story, brother? But the good news is it's 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 slightly, slightly, and I mean teensy tiny, maybe like a little crumbs worth cheaper than last year. So that's good news, I guess. Not really. Uh, the cost of Thanksgiving dinner apparently has risen by a full quarter 25% since 2019 uh, as uh, high inflation continues to hammer families across the United States. That is according to some numbers, some facts, some figures, a recent survey and not the not the charts and numbers and figures that Karine Jean-Pierre 
was uh, running around with recently. Uh, so this is coming from the 38th annual survey by the American Farm Bureau Federation, the AFBF. Uh, according to this, a classic Thanksgiving dinner for 10 people this year will cost $61.17 on average. That's approximately $6.20 per person. Uh, the organization said in a November 15th press release, quote, this is a 4.5% decrease from last year's record high average of $64.05, but a Thanksgiving meal is still 25% higher than it was in 2019, which highlights the impact high supply costs and inflation have had on food prices since before the pandemic, end quote. Interesting. AFBF President Zippy Duval pointed out that even though there was a quote unquote slight improvement in the cost of the Thanksgiving dinner, quote, high inflation continues to hammer families across the country, including the nation's farmers. He said, quote, growing the food families rely on is a constant challenge for farmers because of high fuel, seed, fertilizer and transportation costs, just to name a few. End quote. According to data from the U.S. Bureau of Labor Statistics, annual inflation in October was 3.2 percent, which is above the Federal Reserve's target rate of 2 percent and is more than double the 1.4 percent rate when President Biden took office. Bidenomics at work, everybody. Representative Debbie Alesco, Republican from Arizona, criticized the Biden administration for the massive increase in the cost of Thanksgiving dinner. She said in a November 21st ex post, quote, America's families have many things to be thankful for, but Bidenomics is not one of them, end quote. During a November 20th press briefing, White House Press Secretary Karine Jean-Pierre highlighted the AFBF report to point out that the cost of Thanksgiving dinner has fallen this year. I apologize. I guess she was looking at the same numbers, but analyzing it differently. Here's what she said about it. Quote, as we start preparing our Thanksgiving meals, grocery inflation is at its lowest level in over two years because wages are rising. This Thanksgiving dinner is the fourth cheapest ever as a percentage of average earnings. End quote. What an interesting way to look at it. Uh, Senator Mark Wayne Mullen, Republican from Oklahoma, said in a November 21st ex post that, quote, no matter how the White House tries to spin it, Biden's broken economy is completely unsustainable for working families, end quote. So I guess this leaves the the, the big question, gentlemen, uh, is is the uh, the White House's attempt to push Bidenomics as a win the biggest turkey this year for Thanksgiving? Eh? Yes. <laughs> yes. Yeah, I'm amazed at a couple of things in that story. First of all, I love the name Zippy Duval. Uh, so I just had to mention that. And secondly, it is pretty funny the way KJP tries to spin this as a percentage of this lowest in two years. Well, gee, who was president two years ago? It's kind of like when gas prices came down a little bit. They said this is the steepest decline in gas prices. And yet they're still over 85 cents a gallon higher than they were uh, when slow took office. So it's uh, the spin is hysterical. It beggars belief. What do you think, Asher? Uh, it's it's unbelievable. You know, uh, this this is the 60th anniversary of the assassination of one of the most beloved American presidents and nothing about that. Right. Um, we're, we're to be I don't know. Jean Pierre is an idiot. I guess that's all I can say that that person 
Um, I, I can't wait for the day when she gets shuffled off to do some evening talk show, some infotainment comedy news show or something like that. She's going to be fantastic for that. Um, but what she's doing right now is a uh, what I like to call a ritual humiliation effort on the people of the United States of America as they go and pull out $64 for every member sitting at their table. You got 10 people sitting there at your table. You can see uh, it's probably going to cost you more than your car payment this month to have Thanksgiving, uh, one of the most American holidays out there. So, yeah, I, uh, I find her uh, analysis to be uh, humiliating to the American people. It's assuming that the American people are not smart enough to zoom out, right? Uh, it's, it's predating upon the gnat-like attention span of Americans. Oh, it's, it's better this year than last year? Well, zippity-doo-dah to throw in an extra zippy here. Uh, no, I'm sorry. This is not, it's not something to be thankful for. No, not at all. And she is the, she, you're right. She's the worst press secretary ever, which makes her the best press secretary that we could ever hope for, for Biden, because she just underscores the incompetence of the entire administration, especially with trying to puff up these numbers. Uh, you know, we can give all kinds of anecdotal stories about how much your turkey cost and my spiral sliced ham cost, but it sure as hell ain't as cheap as it was five years ago. Uh, very, very, uh, very telling though. Ruckus, uh, anything else on this one, brother? Well, as part of her little uh, presentation there, KGP also said, quote, lowering costs for Americans continues to be the president's top economic priority, end quote. I'm not sure exactly which president she was talking about, though. <laughs> <laughs> Good point. Maybe the next one. Uh, yeah, yeah, perhaps. Anyway, uh, because it's looking like the next one may not be Joe Biden at this point. I mean, did you guys see even CNN is cannibalizing the Biden administration this week? So uh, I don't know. Maybe the writings on the wall at, at the very least, the tea leaves are saying, uh, watch out, Biden. You may not be the man. That's right. That's right. Good point. Thank you, Ruckus. As always, brother, we'll talk to you in about an hour, my man. Looking forward to All it. All right. All right, there he goes. Well, interesting. So I know I spent more on this Thanksgiving dinner than I did last year. And the difference is this year, it's only uh, myself, my wife, and my two daughters. Last year, it was considerably more people. And yet this year cost me more. Not because not because I, I chose to spend more, but because I decided that I was going to kind of just go all in this year. So I just said, screw it. Now, you know, it's going to cost you money. But yeah, it's crazy. Yeah, anyway, and that's uh, what most gosh. Americans are going to do, Steve. I saw I saw a couple people being interviewed at grocery stores today saying, well, my cranberries were, you know, way more than they were last year. But what are you going to do? You know, so that yeah. that is a bit of the attitude that we see from, uh, you know, people in the grocery store. But at the same time, when you do go to the grocery store, especially if you go today, it's going to be crowded. And uh, if it's anything like our grocery store, you're going to see some sour faces around uh, as they load up that cart and go, okay, that bag's going to cost a hundred dollars. That bag's going to cost eighty dollars. You know, so yeah. people are definitely feeling the pinch right now. 
Yeah, they're feeling the pinch. And while they are going to bite the bullet and pay for it, because it is, as you mentioned, it's such an all-American holiday and it's a lot of fun and we all love it and we all consider what we're thankful for. Uh, it's uh, it's one of those things where while they will bite the bullet this time around, I suspect when they get in the uh, in the ballot box uh, about a year from now, uh, they'll probably be thinking, gee, I uh, wonder how much Thanksgiving is going to cost this year. I better consider that as I as I tender my vote here. Anyway, interesting. Maybe we should all start a savings account for uh, Thanksgiving 2024, Steve, right now. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No kidding. It's like, let's see. What do I do? Do I have a good Thanksgiving or do I put my kids through college? No. Nah, nah, nah. Well, yeah. We'll eat the house. I mean, if you're in California come next year, you're going to have a 13% higher uh, power bill. So you got to keep that in mind too, as you save up for next year's turkey. All right. What a turkey of a story. What a turkey of an economic plan. Bidenomics. Gotta hate it. Gotta love it. Eh, gotta hate it. Definitely. This is State of the Nation on today's News Talk, TNT Radio. TNT Radio's Rick Mon. I'm looking also at South Africa in terms of ESCOM, uh, which is a company that we have talked about a lot here. That's the South African electricity provider. ESCOM has posted a massive 24 billion rand loss for 2022-2023 financial year, exacerbated by a huge escalation in load shedding, which is basically blackouts for want of a better expression, mounting municipal debt and skyrocketing losses due to criminal activity. That's both within the company, I would say, and outside of the company. The group presented its first full year financials for the 12 months ending 31st of March on Tuesday. It said the year was characterized by a significant deterioration of performance, including a steep decline in energy availability of 56%, down from 62%. So half the country are having difficulty getting any electricity at all and most places are undergoing what's called uh, load shedding, which means for up to 10 hours per day, you could be disconnected from the electricity supply in South Africa. Locked and loaded with Rick Munn on today's News Talk TNT Radio. Radio works because of its ability to personalize to the listener. What's exciting these days is that people are rediscovering it. You know, people are really rediscovering just how powerful radio is, how ubiquitous it is. It's in our cars, it's in our homes. There are so many new ways to access it. It's everywhere. To find out more, go to tntradio.live. At the top of the hour, we'll keep on top of the news. It's the most important thing we can do. On today's News Talk, TNT Radio. Today marks the 60th anniversary of the assassination of President John F. Kennedy. So many questions. Was the assassination an inside job? Was Tucker Carlson correct when he stated on Fox that the CIA was involved? Were international intelligence agencies in the mix? Could the myth of the magic bullet stand the test of time? And if the official story was a lie, what does that mean as it pertains to the legitimacy of our intelligence services and our very system of government itself. Joining us now to discuss is attorney, freedom advocate, activist for justice, veteran, friend of Roger Stone, and friend of State of the Nation, Tyler Nixon. Tyler, it's the 60th anniversary of the murder of JFK. What are your thoughts on this landmark anniversary? Escher, it's great to be with you. Um, my thoughts are that this is the uh, sort of the uh, the, the keystone to the rise of the deep state in the United States. To the, it was a coup d'etat um, about which uh, uh, the nation was uh, monstrously 
disinformed, lied to, uh, bamboozled, hoodwinked, whatever have you. Um, and it was perpetrated by people at the top of our government, not by any sort of outside intelligence agencies or countries. Um, and perpetrated, in my opinion, at the center of it by the, uh, you know, the illegitimate successor to President Kennedy, Lyndon Johnson, um, and, you know, in league with the CIA and, of course, the American mafia, as well as uh, some uh, Texas uh, oil magnets, amongst others. Uh, you know, President Kennedy was a, 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 uh, an extremely controversial and at its time, uh, at least amongst what was, you know, what became the deep state, basically. Um, in other words, he pissed a lot of people off and he had a lot of people gunning for him uh, and a lot of reasons, unfortunately, that uh, marked him for death. Uh, and these people were extreme. They were ruthless. They were vicious. Uh, we see their progeny today, um, but they were willing to kill a president and willing to kill uh, the idea of democracy, the idea of having a representative republic and a constitution in order to uh, consolidate their power, in order to, uh, uh, to gain in terms of just pure greed. Uh, that, that was always beneath, I think, power is greed uh, and the lust for money and the lust for, uh, you know, attaining mass wealth. And what's, you know, what's really sad is that John F. Kennedy was 46 years old. Most of the people involved in killing him were old men, many of whom were dead within a few years, uh, within a decade. So, um, you know, it's, it's sort of the same old story, uh, really, just the, the uh, uh, you know, the perfidy, the greed, uh, the power lust of old men. Uh, who, who are willing to kill, uh, kill an idea, kill a great idea and kill a young, uh, you know, attractive and true uh, leader, uh, as was President Kennedy. He was a Democrat, but he's nothing, nothing with the Democrat Party is today, that's for sure. Um, and it would probably be turning his grave to see what's become of his party, where his own nephew, uh, Robert F. Kennedy Jr., has been forced out of the party in order to run uh, a legitimate, uh, frankly, uh, people-oriented and uh, ethical campaign. But it is really, um, and the fact that it continues to be covered up by our government just tells you exactly all you need to know about the current state of uh, our uh, government in the United States at the top. Wow. Tyler, hi. Uh, Steve Hook here. It's, it's so great to have you. Yeah, you know, um, I think you're right. I think, I, I think that the, uh, the, the assassination of Kennedy uh, back in 63 uh, kind of, steered the steered where we're at now uh lots of parallels here um is there new because if you would have told me this if you would have said this and uh to me and probably most people as recently as 5 10 maybe 10 15 years ago people would have said oh my god okay conspiracy <laughs> theorist hello strap on your tinfoil hat blah 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 you know all the old uh adages there but after what we have witnessed over the last half a dozen years I think more and more people are starting to look back at the events uh, of November 22nd, 1963 and say, well, wait a damn minute. This never made sense. Uh, the, the way that the magic bullet that had really almost no damage done to it. Of course, we can all remember, if not remember in our own personal lives, remember through the history of, uh, of, of Oswald saying, I'm nothing but a patsy. Then Jack Ruby shoots him, shuts him up for good. And so then the Warren Commission takes over. And everybody's been under this false notion that, okay, well, they figured it out. It was a commie. Is there any new in, in, info? Uh, because I think that I think that people are a little bit more skeptical of what, what what we were told all those years ago. Well, you know, Steve, I think you nailed it 
in so many ways. I, I've kind of joked that uh, when I was growing up, there were two things that uh, immediately discredited me, I guess, automatically with people. One is that I like the Grateful Dead. So, you know, back in the day, it was, <laughs> oh, you like the Grateful Dead, you're a druggie, you know. And then the other would be, I, I'm skeptical or I, you know, don't believe that Kennedy was murdered by Lee Oswald and you're a conspiracy theorist, you know, you're immediate nut. And, that, and that's true. That was uh that was something cooked up by the CIA. You know, the, the very term conspiracy theorist was uh, cooked up in around 1966 when it was, uh, you know, the heat was on in terms of questioning the Warren Commission, questioning the official findings of, you know, what, Lee Oswald and so forth. And they literally came up with this term and started applying it to anybody who would dare, uh, uh, you know, oppose the official line. Um, and it's it's so interesting because, you know, you, you, you're absolutely right. Well, first of all, uh, through the years, believe it or not, the public in you know increasingly vast majorities, I think peaking out around 1992 or so when Oliver Stone's seminal movie JFK came out, uh, where it was upwards of 80% even of the public said they did not believe that it was you know solely uh, Lee Oswald or a single assassin, that there was some sort of conspiracy or plot involved. Now, whether that meant they believed it was the government or whether it was just you know other forces, at, at minimum, it wasn't a sole assassin. Um, but the public has always been skeptical of what the government's told them. And in fact, the government itself has been incoherent. We have the Warren Commission in 1964, you know, concluding it was just Oswald. But then in 1978, the House uh, Select Committee on Assassinations, an official body of the United States government, conducted hearings for over, you know, a two to three year period and concluded that it was more than likely uh, that there are more likely that there was a actual conspiracy or a plot or multi multiple people involved. So even our government is, is sort of, uh, you know, in internally contradictory to itself. But that being said, yes, I mean, it's more, you know, it's not so much. Well, I mean, new information has come out, but it's more been that information has been revealed that was suppressed for so many years. And one example of this is, for example, um, there have been, it has been, uh, you know, and, and let's, I have to say the, the media, the, the mainstream media, the corporate media um, have been absolutely 100% complicit in this. I mean, they have been uh, handmaidens to the deep state and to the, uh, the official line and have, have carried forth lies, you know, straight up lies. And many of them they knew were lies too. So these people are, are monstrous in my opinion. But one of the examples would be uh, every single uh, witness practically on in fact every single witness to to one including all of the surgeons and doctors that were at Bethesda excuse me that were at uh, Parkland Hospital said that the Kent President Kennedy was shot from the front uh, and that there was a large gaping evulsed exit wound in the back of his head you know in other words behind here in, in such a manner that no one no medical or uh, you know just even a common sense person would believe that that was a rear you know rear shot because it just doesn't happen that way. You don't get shot in the back of the head and have your head back, your head blow out. So, you know, and I mean, they've tried to come up with all sorts of wacko theory, you know, ways to explain this, such as, oh, well, um, you know, the, 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 the uh, missile basically bounced off the inside of his skull and came out the back. I mean, literally, that's stupid and crazy. Um, yeah. But, you know, now now we see this evidence coming out. The evidence is coming to light, even with the suppression still going on with the documents not released by the uh, CIA that, you know, it, it's clear that there were multiple shooters. The President Kennedy's the fatal you know, headshot was from the front. Uh, and it, you wouldn't believe the level of I mean, I thought there were layers of complexity and craziness to this entire tale, you know, just even 20 years ago when I was studying it. But the stuff that's come out today that I, have, I was in the uh, conference in Dallas uh, just uh, last week, 
it is it is or last weekend it's mind-boggling i mean the the body alterations the 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 fact of you know what what was involved with like for example people don't know the casket that came off the plane at edwards air force base was empty that did not yeah. have president kennedy's body hey, his body hey, was, tyler yeah. let's pause it right there um yeah. remember where you left off uh, at the casket coming off being empty that's a big one i'm glad to hear you were in dallas this last weekend i wish i could have made it up there and been with you i had multiple colleagues that were there so shout out to you and everybody that were there we'll pick up right here after this brief headline with today's news talk tnt radio what's happening News flash. TNT Radio News. For TNT Radio News, this is James O'Neill. Russian President Vladimir Putin argued on Wednesday that Moscow has a moral obligation to deliver humanitarian aid to the civilian population in Gaza. The day before, he told other BRICS leaders that he had been moved by videos depicting Palestinian children being operated on without anesthesia. Rescuers hope to drill through the last third of the debris blocking a collapsed tunnel in the Indian Himalayas by early on Thursday to reach 41 workers trapped for 10 days. Don't miss a thing. Be sure to download the TNT radio app from either the Apple App Store or Google Play so you can easily listen live to us anywhere, anytime. Available right now to download. Keeping you up to speed on TNT radio. Now, last year, just about this time, Tyler, uh, historians, there's the, I'm reading out of The Guardian right here. Historians and conspiracy theorists have been given an early Christmas present the release from the U.S. National Archives of 13,173 documents relating to the official investigation into the 1963 assassination of President John F. Kennedy. And uh, we've had a year to pile through those now. And I think a lot of the people that did that were there in Dallas with you this last weekend. So please pick up where you left off and let us know what else you learned while you're there. Sure. Um, well, you know, again, there are people who have specialized and spent their lives devoted to uncovering and to uh, basically drilling into certain aspects of the assassination, um, because there's so many anomalies and there's so there the official story has never made sense. And whether that be investigating the background of Lee Oswald and what he was really doing, and including his mistress from uh, the summer of '63, Judith Ferry Baker, who spent a significant amount of time with him, and we know worked with him at Riley Coffee Company. Uh, you know, saw him with plenty of intelligence figures and including, you know, former FBI uh, uh, Chicago uh, uh, branch chief Guy Bannister in, in uh, New Orleans. I mean, you know, that's just one aspect. And then there's also, of course, the physical aspect, uh, you know, investigating how the, you know, President Kennedy's body was, first of all, stolen from Texas before they could do a legal autopsy, a medical legal autopsy, um, and then, you know, basically secreted to uh, excuse me, brought, brought to, flown to uh, Bethesda, or excuse me, to Edwards Air Force Base, where um, at some point his body was removed from the casket that was seen being loaded, the uh, casket from which he uh, left Dallas, in which he left Dallas, um, and put into a shipping casket and onto a, a helicopter and then flown ahead of this procession, this, uh, you know, this not funeral procession, but when you see the, the casket loaded into that Navy ambulance with Jackie Kennedy. That was an empty casket. Uh, they flew the body ahead, um, at which time there was, uh, you know, just a whole sort of really parlor game of like decoy ambulances and all sorts of craziness that went on where they got Kennedy's body into an alternative uh, morgue that, that has just been uncovered. There was an old morgue in Bethesda Naval Hospital in, in addition to the one, the new morgue where the, you know, the public so-called autopsy took place where Kennedy's wounds were altered by like most likely by the, you know, either uh, people involved in some manner or 
uh, Humes or Bo- and Boswell, the actual so-called autopsy doctors who had no experience doing autopsies whatsoever, um, and you know removing uh, uh, shells that might have been you know uh, inconvenient to show, uh, for example, a you know frontward shooting. One example that we've uh, discovered recently was the throat wound. There was a neat punctured, you know, small throat wound, which was uh, all the doctors in Parkland said was an entrance wound. Well, you know, all we see in the autopsy pictures today is a big, ripped open, gaping wound in the throat, right? And, you know, what's, what it's believed now is that the reason that is, is because the front shot was, you know, it penetrated, but did not exit. So they had to literally dig into his neck to pull and find the shell and rip it out, or the, the missile, the bullet, and rip it out of his neck. I mean, so it was ghoulish what they did to President Kennedy's body. By the time they were done, when, uh, you know, his body was actually open casket viewed by Jackie Kennedy, Bobby Kennedy, uh, and Lem Billings, amongst others, you know, a close friend of President Kennedy. I think Billings commented, it it looks like a wax dummy. It doesn't even look like him anymore. Um, So, you know, these are the types of things. uh, It's just the the people involved who pulled this off were, I mean, truly monstrous evil. I mean, just of the sorts of the types of people who would start a war that kills hundreds of thousands, if not millions of people for their profit and don't even blink. I mean, killing a president is nothing to these people. And what's being released, unfortunately, I don't think while we have little circumstantial sort of pieces of the puzzle that might come to light, I've always said, you know, I'll say it again, there'll never be a smoking gun. It's not like, you know, James Angleton and, uh, you know, uh, David Atlee Phillips and uh, whoever the CIA sat around and wrote memos about assassinating the president. You know, they, there's never going to be any sort of uh, smoking gun or document that, that does that. But nevertheless, we're able to still piece together more aspects of it. And the thing is, you have to be that involved in and deep in it, I think, to really understand how this piece of puzzle, the piece of the puzzle fits in. So often the government doesn't even know that they're releasing something that ultimately might lead to a chain of, you know, understanding or evidence that says, see, exactly what we said or, or something like that. So, you know, it, it, it's, it's, they're still withholding documents, though. I mean, there's thousands of CIA documents, including everything on Lee Harvey Oswald that's uh, never been released. Wow. We've only got about a minute here or so, uh, Tyler. So let me just ask you a question that I think is probably on a lot of people's minds. If they did it before, would they be willing to do it again? Because right now it looks like President Trump is probably the walkaway uh, nominee from the Republican side. We know how desperately they don't want him on the on the on the ballot. They've been trying to use the 14th Amendment, for God's sakes, to keep him off the ballot. That's not going to go anywhere. Uh, He may well end up being. Uh, the first president since the 18th, uh, the 1800s to be elected to two terms separated by, a you know, you know, non-consecutive terms. Would they do you think that President Trump and those around him have have, have reason to be very concerned about their own personal safety? No question. About a minute. Uh, and I, I uh, yeah, I believe that absolutely since since the time that he was elected. And, you know, I saw that they were, you know, what they were throwing against him and he wouldn't be. He wouldn't bow to them. Absolutely. And I've, I've said that if they can't stop him, that he should fear for his physical safety. And frankly, they did it to Nixon. They didn't politi- uh, physically assassinate Nixon. But if anybody thinks that Watergate was some plumbers, you know, uh, some Nixon dirty tricks operation, they're, they're clueless as they are about the Kennedy assassination. It was a CIA operation, an intelligence operation meant to take down Nixon. And that's exactly what they did. And they will ultimately, if they have to, they will attempt to kill President Trump if he is reelected and, and is on the you know, verge of taking power. And I would 
be very cautious, uh, anybody around him to be sure, you know, and, but they, but it won't be, a, it won't be a shooting. It would be something like, oh, President Trump died of a heart attack in his sleep. Guarantee you that it would be something like that. But I think people will and should know that uh, Trump is, uh, you know, if he dies mysteriously or suddenly, that, that once again, the, uh, the deep state villains have struck. Absolutely. Uh, many would argue that they've done this to journalists. They've done this to various politicians, various world leaders, not just here in America, but in many countries worldwide. Uh, these are serious, serious times. And, you know, we look at the things that happened uh, with just look at look back at 1870 and 1871, 1913, 1963, 2001, 2020. Look at the events of those years and tell me that they're not willing to pull out all the stops when desperate. It's absolutely amazing. <clears throat> Tyler Nixon, always appreciate your contributions here at State of the Nation and TNT Radio. Have a wonderful holiday, and we look forward to having you back on again real soon. Thanks for having me. Great to be with you guys. Thanks, all right. Tom. Yes, absolutely. This is State of the Nation on today's News Talk, TNT Radio. Give me a minute with TNT Radio's Steve Malzberg. CNN and PBS, home to probably the most consistent, vile, anti-Israel on-air personality I've seen, Christiane Amanpour. And she was at it again last weekend, giving Hamas's numbers of dead and injured inside Gaza, which elicited this response from senior Bibi Netanyahu advisor Mark Regev. There's no other independent verification for those numbers, and so we have to presume they're exaggerated. And secondly, they give you no differentiation between of the people who have been fatalities, whether they were Hamas uh, terrorists, and it's good that they were killed if they were, and between civilians caught up in the crossfire. And watch Amanpour confirm the media's historic bias towards the terrorists known as Hamas. In history, nobody's questioned these numbers. In all the previous, uh, and Hamas was always in charge, all the previous operations, nobody questioned their numbers. Bizarre, but there's more. When Regev warns uh, against believing Hamas, that half the children, that half the people who passed are children, Amanpour tells why we should believe them. Well, we've seen the pictures, okay? And we did this last week together. We've seen the pictures and it is causing huge unrest and disquiet. So the pictures, pictures that she's seeing confirms the death toll number of children? Nothing but propaganda. Thanks for giving me a minute. I'm Steve Malsberg. Catch my show Monday through Friday, 9 p.m. Eastern, right here on TNT. The thing that drives me every day as a dad is him. Every day he's hungry for something. And there's this huge responsibility in making sure that he's a good person. I think the advice I would give is you don't need to know all the answers. It's okay to make mistakes as long as it's coming from love then it kind of starts to work itself out. You're with Brian McLean and Steve Hook and State of the Nation on today's News Talk Radio, TNT. Okay, welcome back to State of the Nation. I am Steve Hook. Brian Hesher McLean uh, is with us, of course, as well. And it's time to move on to our next guest, and we've got a good one for you. Listen, at a time when American politics is at its absolute lowest ebb, and when political leadership is, uh, well, it's absent. And frankly, it's absent uh, across the ideological spectrum. Both parties are guilty of this. But one politician in particular stands apart uh, as particularly unfortunate exemplar of everything that is wrong with the national leadership. 
Uh, and that would be a Mr. Gavin Newsom. He's the current governor of California, as, as you know. And who knows, he may end up being the Democrat nominee if uh, things go the way that he probably wishes. The New- uh, the Newsom Nightmare is a powerful book with an indictment of a shattered political system and its most cynical practitioner while proposing a reform that would put uh, democratic principles back into our democracy. We welcome John H. Cox. John Cox, hello, sir. How are you? Welcome to State of the Nation. Good to have you, sir. Well, thank you, Steve. Great to be with you today. Happy Thanksgiving to you and yours and everybody in your audience. Yeah, yes, thank you. Happy back Thanksgiving. At you. So let's talk about Newsom because yeah. uh, Newsom is a guy that has been saying uh, ever since the French laundry days that he wasn't looking for higher office at this point. I've got my hands but, full in California. Well, boy, that's true. He had his hands. He does have his hands full in California, but he's been campaigning ever since. Uh, is he going to be the step in uh, step in candidate? You suspect, John? Uh, I'm sure he'd like to be. He's doing all the moves. If you notice, he visited Israel on the way to China, just hosted Xi Jinping. And uh, he picks fights with Republican governors all across the nation. And as you may know, he's going to debate uh, Mr. DeSantis uh, next week. Uh so I think, yeah, I think he's positioning himself. I think, frankly, when I ran against him uh, as a Republican nominee in 2018, I pointed out that the governorship was the stepping stone. He's n- made no bones, really, to people about the fact that uh, he's got higher office and higher ambitions. And and frankly, if you look at his background, it, it's that's been his modus operandi all the way along. I mean, he focuses on hot-button uh, very uh, extreme issues that get people upset one way or the other. And uh, and that's much, frankly, to the detriment of the citizens of California who have to live with all kind of mismanagement associated with his tenure here. And uh, that's all because this is a guy who has higher ambition and, and power uh, in his future. John, I've noticed this too. I'm a I'm a refugee of California, so I've been there. Congratulations! My life. I live in the uh, slightly free state of Texas now. There you uh, go. It feels very free compared to California and the way that it yep. has gone. But I've Sadly. noticed all throughout his uh, his career in politics that he does exactly what you just said. He's he intentionally and it feels pr driven it feels like there's a pr machine behind it because the way the the talking points are delivered he will actually push both buttons on both sides of the party he will contradict himself in ways that will excite one side and frustrate another side and then when he when he flips the contradiction the the excitement and and opposition flips uh it's very slick well, let's 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 focus on that, Brian. You're very astute to recognize that you and a lot of other California refugees, frankly. And if you look <laughs> at the the interest group, see, the book really details how Gavin Newsom got power and how he keeps power. And he does that by servicing basically these interest groups. These interest groups, by the way, also happen to be the groups that are the most in power in the Democratic primaries. So therefore, he courts the public sector unions, which are huge in New York and Illinois and other Democratic primary states, right? 
He focuses on the radical environmentalists and, and making sure that they're happy. And why? Again, they're a major power in the primaries in major democratic states. Uh, the same with trial lawyers. Uh, the same with uh, LGBT groups and with, uh, uh, I guess, uh, minority groups, you might say, as well. I mean, these are all huge players, not only in California politics, but they're also huge players in the Democratic primaries that he's going to have to do well in in order to get the nomination. And, and Brian and Steve, make no mistake, the reason California has all the problems it has is because Gavin Newsom has turned the state over to these groups. So our education system we spend $100 billion on is one of the worst in the country. The teachers' unions are in almost full control of the $100 billion we spend. You look at housing, you look at homelessness, you look at energy shortages, water shortages, the climate change group, the environment, the radical extremists who don't want any oil or gas, natural gas used, they're the ones in control of Sacramento. So that's why we pay $6 a gallon for gasoline. That's why we have a housing shortage, because you can't build anything anywhere with CEQA uh, and all the regulations on housing. I'm a builder, by the way, by business. And I build in Indiana for $160 a foot. It's $500 a foot to build in California with all the regulations and trial lawyers. It's it's just incredible but that's the situation. Newsom just hands the state over to these interest groups. My book highlights that, but it also talks about a solution. So I hope we get a chance to talk about something this country needs to do to get individuals back in the uh, political arena and, and take away the, the power of these interest groups. Yeah, that's a good point. We'll definitely touch on that, John. I, I, call me a cynic, but California started going downhill when the wonderful Kamala Harris became VP, I joke, <laughs> but uh, about, no, yeah, it was that, well before that, uh, Steve, yeah, I'm afraid. Yeah, I, I believe <laughs> me, I'm kidding, but it's just, I mean, boy, that state's really churned out some winners here lately. Um, yeah. Gavin Newsom is so, um, and this is where my cynicism comes in, John. I, the guy is so patently phony to anybody that's really paying attention. I mean, he is, uh, who was it, Hesher, we had on last week who said he's the... He's, he's really good-looking, good, Steve. He's yeah, much good hair, great teeth. Good hair, great teeth. That, 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 no that, question. That's, teeth. No question. Yeah, but, 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 but it also points to the fact that the Democratic Party, and this is true of the GOP to an extent, but not nearly as much as the DNC, they really do kind of think that the voters are just stupid. Uh, <laughs> they'd have to think yeah. that if they think that they're going to say... Look, you may not like what he did at French Laundry. You may not like the fact that he's destroyed L.A. and San Francisco and various cities and uh, towns in between. But good God, look at his teeth. Good God, look at his haircut. I mean, well, you know, the trouble, the, the trouble, Go Steve, ahead. is that I, and I've talked to a lot of voters out here, obviously, having run for governor in 2018. And then I was part of the recall in 2021. And the voters have basically, a lot of them have tuned out. Uh, they focus on those hot button issues, abortion and gun control and those kinds of things. Uh, but they tune out on a lot of these other ones because they really don't think that they have any power. And that's really the problem here. They look at the millions and millions of dollars that are raised. They look at all the TV commercials, all the social media, and they say to themselves, 
oh, forget about it. I, what power do I have to do anything about this system or change what's going on in the state? I'm just going to vote D or R, depending on how I feel about these hot button issues. And then and then we get the government we have. What I'm talking yeah. about, book, by the way, is a way for us to actually get back our politics, get the money out, get the interest groups out, get the big media out of the picture, because they're in control now. And I think the reason the voters have turned out is because they just don't feel that it, it matters to them. They they don't feel like they have any power anyway. So, yeah. so John, it, the saying is, and it's noted in your book also, and I believe, Steve, that was uh, uh, Senator Brian Dolly that made that comment about yeah. Gavin last week. Yeah. Uh, he has some very choice words, as do most politicians uh, that speak to us from California. And, you know, uh, but the saying is, as goes California, so goes the nation. And we're seeing that. I mean, we're seeing like, look in Tennessee, like things are happening here in Texas and Tennessee that people would have never dreamed of when it comes to schools rights, the LGBTQ yep trans uh all this stuff uh the, the butchery surgeries the gender affirming care we're starting to see that in the south now and when i came to the south i've been on you know waving my hands the whole time hey it's really bad over there it's gonna come here but as you said you have some solutions in mind so if your solutions can be applied at the state level in california maybe this would be the good case of as goes california so goes the nation and and there's no time like right now like we're at the last second the last year, maybe five years for this to happen. I don't disagree with you one iota, Brian. And and yes, uh, people can learn about the reform I'm talking about. It's in the book, which is available now on Amazon, uh, The Newsome Nightmare. But you can also go to a website we have called hearthepeople.org, H-E-A-R, hearthepeople.org. And basically what I'm doing, Brian, is I'm starting with the U.S. Congress, because let's face it, the Constitution said the U.S. Congress was supposed to be the, the, the house of the people not the house of the special interests, not the house of the big groups and big media. It was supposed to be the house of the people. The trouble is Congress itself froze the number of congressmen at 435. So now the number of people in a congressional district is outrageously high, 750,000 people. You need millions of dollars to run for Congress. It's all about television or social media or radio. And the people are pretty much out of the picture to some degree. The reform I'm talking about is pretty simple. It basically subdivides these huge districts into 100 little tiny ones, 100 districts of 7,500 people. And each of those little tiny districts elects a local representative. Those 100 people get together after the election, and they have a regular meeting, and they decide among themselves which of the 100 are going to go to Washington to represent that district. The other 99 stay home and continue on to their jobs. The upshot of this whole thing is that all the campaigns are, are conducted in tiny little districts, just like New Hampshire. I got this idea from the Live Free or Die state. Uh, because they have all these little tiny districts and people get elected by going door to door and actually talking to their neighbors and actually getting to know the voters and communicating more than a slogan or a, or a soundbite. They actually discuss policies. And you know, guess what? They also don't have to worry about the teachers unions or some big corporation or big pharma coming after them in their district and running a bunch of ads and trying to get them out of office. 
You're not going to do that in a district that's only 7,500 people. So it really puts the democracy back into our democracy, gets it back to a tiny campaign where the people can have a true voice. And that's what the book is about. Uh, it, it talks about Newsom because he's the guy that really is in, you know, is in bed with all the special interests and the big media types that currently dominate our politics. It does seem to be um, uh, the the the, uh, the approach seems to almost be like if all politics are local, uh, then let's make all politics local. And and I love the idea, uh, I really do. Uh, but you know, Great. thank um, you. Yeah, I mean, it's it it just sounds so so obvious. And, and therein lies the rub, though, doesn't it, John? Because you've got some very big moneyed interests <laughs> that are not going to want any part of that. Uh, how do you beat them back? Absolutely. We've done focus groups all over, and it's overwhelmingly popular whenever anybody hears it and understands it. They think, yes, this is how the founders intended our Congress to be elected, by neighbors talking to neighbors. Uh, but we know that you're right. The big media companies make a fortune off of political ads. Uh, the interest groups the unions, the big pharma, big oil. It's on both sides, by the way. It's right and left, I have to tell you. Uh, they like the power they get from the current system. But if you looked at our current system, guys, and you said to yourself, this is the dumbest system you could ever imagine. People who want something from government fund the campaigns of the people who make the decisions. You couldn't yeah. ask for a system that's more corrupt than that, if you wanted to. And, and that's our system, and we can change it. By the way, the, you should understand the Constitution, we've gotten an illegal opinion. This is constitutional, and the states can enact this. We don't have to have Congress enact this. We don't have to get a constitutional amendment. This can be done by the state legislatures in each state. So, Brian, I expect you to be in, in Austin uh, working with some of those legislators to say, hey, it's about time we return our Congress to the people and get them in charge and get these special interests out. Now we're talking, John. Herethepeople.org is the website. We want you to go there. We want you to be familiar with it. John, we want to have you back. Thank you for everything that you're doing. I have so many more questions, so many more comments. I'd like to bounce off of you, but we're out of time. So we'll schedule another one. We'll do this again real soon right here on State of the Nation. Thank you, John, for joining us on today's Thanks, News guys. Talk, TNT Radio.